Here we are at the Questions Podcast. I don't even know what episode number this is. Is this uh, 38, I think. 38? 38 Special. That's what we're going to call it. Oh, man. You're, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to call there it. There you go. 38 Special. Yeah. Here we are. Spiritual Minty Freshness. And Cold-Blooded Love. Truly, truly. Well, we are a day late, but not a dollar short. Some of our listeners have informed me that we're supposed to drop this on Wednesday, not Thursday. Of course, I didn't know there was a schedule. I didn't either. I thought it was just before the weekend was the whole idea. I think so. Whenever we can make it happen. Wow. I think that... Well, here's what I don't like. Yeah. When they go, I'm an insomniac. I can't sleep. <laughs> without, uh, yeah. without listening to this? Yeah, like, it's the best... Th- I don't want to be the thing that puts you to sleep. No. Come on, no, man. Oh, man. I mean... I mean, I realize I'm boring, but if I had hopefully to, not like that. I, I, I was told... That our voices are soothing. Soothing. Yeah. Mm. Soothing. Yeah. 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 I've never heard that before. Never. Okay. So a little side note there. Side note. I remember one night, many years ago, uh, my wife was having trouble sleeping. She says, can you just give me a section of one of your sermons? Oh, come on now. This is is many moons ago. Yeah. She goes, if you just, I'll go right to sleep. And I'm like- You've got to be kidding me. And she Man. says, well, it's not that you're boring. It's just that your voice is soothing and soothing. I go to sleep. I'm like, you know what? Let's put Pastor Chuck on there or something. He's, yeah, he's got that deep. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So. Well, so I was, I was over with the fire department today. Yeah. And they said, hey, you want to get lunch? And I, all right, let's get some lunch. What'd you eat? So. Because you know, I, I had a salad. I did not. You know that Mexican place, that Mexican restaurant. That's I called do. That, that Mexican, Mexican restaurant. Yeah, yeah, they've got monster burritos over there. All right, there. so one of the fire department guys, one of the personnel, he's telling the other guy what he wants him to order for him. And I said, I'll, I'll take what he's getting. And he goes, all right, I need, to, I need to tell you something about this burrito. I said, all right, tell me about the burrito. He said, well, I went in there and I told them, do you have this burrito on your your menu and they said no we don't have that he said well you've got that you've got this can you put this together and do this with it and put that together and an off menu item and so they're like yeah we we can try that so he said then i went in there a few days later and i said you know you you did that pretty well but if you could do this and he said i tweaked it like three or four times finally they got it perfected and uh and so they started to know that that's what i ordered when i came in there because i i told them this is what i want but especially and he said, one day I was in there and I ordered it. And I said, you know, you should put this on your menu. It, it's pretty good. And he goes, you should call it the Bombero. Yeah. Have you seen the Bombero on their menu? No. There? Is it there now? Because so Bombero put it, is Spanish for firefighter. They put it on their menu as Bombero. Nice. And he said he went in there a few weeks later. And she goes, I just want you to know, this is now our top selling burrito, the Bombero. Wow. It is quite literally the biggest burrito i've had a lot of burritos in the dito we are from escondido you know burritos in the dito is kind of a big deal yeah you're saying something i i mean i've tried most places most establishments here on burritos this is hands down the biggest burrito the bombero that i've ever had at that mexican place and it is um is it good turf oh carne asada yeah with some uh, shrimp in there oh yeah um so this firefighter and I, we both had these, and it was like a competition to see who could finish it. I am, I'm distressed that I stepped up to the plate to partake in that competition because I am not feeling spectacular. 
So you won. The bomb. Uh, no, we, we both finished it. It was just a, you know, it wasn't a competition against one another. It was a competition against the burrito. So two personal bests side by right. side. And he even looked at me at one point. He goes, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can finish it. And I was like, I, th- I think I'm going all the way. And he's like, oh, well, now I have to. Well, so, yeah, because they don't want to get beat by the pastor. No, that's right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Can't be beat by the chaplain. No. But as soon as I was done, I was like, well, that may have been a bad idea. So you're not eating tonight. No, no. That and was my probably meal. not breakfast. I think that either. was my meal for the next 48. Nice. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she was monstrous. That Mexican place on El Norte Parkway, just east of Center City. Uh, yeah. The Bombero. Okay. Well, you know where I ate It last is a firefighter night. creation. I ate last night um, a place called the Wooden Spoon. You ate there across the street from TJ's? I did. I have a I have a an aversion to the name. Well, I I it I think today is their last day. It, it did not look like it was doing well the last time I passed it. No, and so um, the food was actually really good, and the chef there was actually from the Four Seasons. Hmm. And so, um, how did he end up in the Dito? He was doing his own thing. Right. And restaurants are tough. They are, but so especially um, right there. That's not exactly like. You know, a well-known spot for good food. Yeah. Well, then I've always avoided the place because TJ's Tacos is right across, right the, across street. the street. And I mean, for me to go past TJ's Tacos is hard anyway. Yeah. Then, then if I'm going to eat, I mean, I'm going into TJ's. So uh, my buddy Leo says, I love this Mr. place. Exact, yeah. This is like, um, what was that show? Cheers. Oh, everybody knows your name? Yeah. Okay. So my buddy Leo's like, hey, I want to, you and Missy, you got to come to the, the Wooden Spoon and 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 all this. I guess it's his favorite hangout and restaurant. And so he goes, hey, it's closing down. I go, well, we better go before it closes down. Maybe we'll even, you know, maybe we'll get food poisoning or something. Oh, no, 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 no. So we went uh, and they all knew Leo there. It was great. The meal was great. The Good people food. were great. And one of my old junior high, high school students was one of the guys working there. We got to oh, wow. catch up and tell some stories. What and kind of food is the wooden spoon? So it's, um, it, I mean, good concept, local, organic stuff. None of this fits. Well, Local, organic on East Valley and Escondido. See, in La Jolla would do amazing. Maybe. Yeah. Don't call it the wooden spoon. I mean, the wooden well, spoon has a certain connotation in my I, brain. I know, like the leather it takes belt. Me, takes yeah. me back to like being seven years the old. The switch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, the mud flap. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, it's not a good picture. The electric chair. The, so, the electric place. chair. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you call it the electric chair? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Here, come yeah. to my restaurant. Corporal yeah. punishment. <laughs> Let's call it the vicious nun with a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good gracious. Yeah. So I thought... Go yeah, stand the, in the corner it was, and eat I, the I, wooden spoon. I understand what the guy was tracking with with the name, but okay. evidently he had never had the wooden spoon used in its proper way. No, he was a very tender child. Yes. he was. Yeah. For him, it was a romanticized thing with a wooden Come spoon. Come now, you must be Hanging crazy. out of a crock of grandma's chili or something like that. And, you know... He had obviously never been chased by a wooden spoon and whacked. Well, now listen. You know, I know that one of our listeners is my my dear mom, and she's going to hear this whole conversation. She has visions of the wooden spoon as well. She knows what a wooden spoon is. Absolutely, because she broke a few of them over Mister Miles. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, honest. Once upon a time, that was not called child abuse. No. Well, yeah, it's a rod of correction. Rod of correction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And how many felonies (laughs) do you have? Zero. Oh, there you go. See? She set me on the path to righteousness. There you go. 
And so, go. I mean, I, I one time told my dad, I go, you know, I got some weapons, but you might have missed one or two. So I'm, I'm thankful. You must have said that as a grown man. You didn't say that while you were young. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. So you don't want to do that. I mean, come on. A fool sometimes brings trouble I think upon I his own home. Sometimes I think I got a spank just for things I might do. Like a... So your mom believed in predestination. Yeah, it's kind of like preparatory spanking. Yeah, preparatory. Preventative medicine. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know you're going to mess this up. Oh, oh goodness gracious. Dude. Do we get any crazy news stories? I, you know, I got nothing. Although I was reading this article just before you came in here from the Washington Post. And um, kind of an interesting article. Cities need housing. That's the first part of the, <laughs> Cities need housing. Okay. Okay. Period. No, this is still yeah. the title. Okay. Cities need housing. Period. Churches have property. Period period. Can they work something out? So I'm kind of quickly skimming through this before you came in my office. And apparently the premise is churches have a whole bunch of empty property. They ain't being used anymore and they should just turn that into housing. <laughs> oh yeah. I I've got know. a great idea. I don't know if that's yeah. the plan. Why don't they put the DMV all online and use that for housing? Ooh, boom. Yeah. There you go. You know, yeah. or the library. I mean, I, I think the library is maybe getting outdated. I do all my library stuff on the uh, the device. I know. Electronic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So. I, you know you can borrow um, library books on yeah. Yes, on you can phone? online. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Overdrive. It's yeah. such a great app. Well, my it. poor wife used to go to the library to get books for the kids down in Escondido, and there were so many crazy people in there she couldn't go anymore. I actually went to the library the other day, like uh -huh. an actual library, the seminary library here in town, Westminster Oh, uh, Seminary. West, Westminster. They have a gate with a keypad there now. I can't get in. They're trying to keep you out. And then I have to call them and ask them, like, okay, so what do I got to do to get into that place? Because I got a card, but I ain't got no way to get into the, the place. Well, probably got to stop using ain't got no. Ain't got no? Ain't got no. I don't know. Works for some no. people. I got people up there. At Westminster? Yeah. Yes, I do. I used to know some people there. I don't anymore. I got people. I'm going to have to call them. They're, they're a little phone call. Right. I, got a, I got a paper I got to write, and they got the books I need. They got the goods. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't... Pardon me. I, you know what? A, little bit a, a good short book is the uh, John Chris uh, book of dating. You hear about that thing? That went oh, down. John Chris, the comedian. Yes. I that, didn't hear about this. Oh, well, it ain't funny. It ain't funny? No. What do you mean? He um, evidently. Did he get himself into trouble? Oh, oh yes. no. Yeah, Bill Cosby kind of trouble. John Christ, the Christian comedian, has gotten himself in yeah, trouble? Yeah, well, he's no longer a comedian because it's not funny, and I don't think he was a Christian. Oh, no. Yeah, not good. It, oh, that's not you good. You know the old saying, hey, it sucks to be you right now? Oh, no. Yeah. This is a bummer. This is not good. That guy was funny. Well, he probably still is funny. He's just in trouble. Yeah. Wooden spoon. Yeah, he needs a wooden spoon, for sure. Christian comedian John Christ cancels to or confesses to, quote, Sexual sin. Oh, it mm. was way more than that. Well, what a bummer. This is a rated G podcast. That's so bad we news. Go, we have no explicit stuff here. Dang. Yeah, it. this is not good. No. This like just came out. I know. I, hey. How's the moose track? Kanye's preaching Jesus and John Christ is getting in trouble for sexual misconduct. The world has shifted. I think he's going to be in prison ministry real soon. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Let's not talk about moose tracks. Okay. Why not? Yeah. I probably shouldn't have followed the, uh, or, yeah, followed the burrito with moose tracks ice cream. <laughs> oh, you did, didn't you? <laughs> you can afford. You're running and stuff. I've been trying to be the pillar oh, of discipline. I, I have not, I have not even looked at the moose tracks. I, I did run a bit. I, I ran... 
yeah, I ran nine miles on Monday, nine miles on Tuesday, but nothing yesterday or today, just burrito today. And well, know. that's like a recovery burrito. That's just replenishing your body. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Lord All right. Jesus. Gluttony is a sin, Mark. Gluttony well, is a you sin. You think you gluttonized? Nah, I think it was perfectly yeah, fine. You're glutton free. Manna. Manna from yeah, heaven. Glutton free. All right. So uh, do we got some questions? Yeah. I, I'm looking, looking at these. I'm liking them. Okay. And uh, I even know who the first one is coming from, so that's great, because we talked about it at church, and I thought it was great. Um, number one question, because you were talking about compassion and empathy compassion and all those things. and mercy. Yes. Uh, so number one is having true compassion for others, a gift from God, question mark. What do you think? Well, I think it would be really good if we pulled out our Funk and Wagnalls or our Webster. Funk and Wagnalls? Funk and Wagnalls. What is that? You don't know who Funk and Wagnalls are? I have no idea what They funk. wrote dictionaries. You are right. There you go. Funk and Wagnalls was an American publisher known for its reference works, including the standard dictionary. There you go, man. man. I just, look at you. I loved, you are practically Wikipedia. I loved the name even as a kid because it sounded like a band. It does sound like a you band. know, like Captain Funk and the Wagnalls. I mean, I know, yeah. I knew, I know Daniel Webster, but I don't know. There Funk you and go, Wagnalls. man. Daniel and Merriam Webster, Funk and Wagnalls. Man, you just pulled that out of thin air. Yo. That's impressive. Um, you want me to look up the word mercy, or you want me to look up the word well, compassion? I think let's... the first thing that comes to my mind is yes, there is a gift from God, the gift of mercy. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'm going to say yes, but you want me to look up. Well, I think it's good. I'm really big. If we're defining a word, we need to talk. What so we're all on the same page a little bit, and I think she's talking about biblical compassion. Yes, and so uh, I can think of one situation right now, and where compassion plays a huge part. I'm just there's my friends, the Escondido Fire Department. There you go. They're helping somebody out right now. Lord, we pray for whoever it is they're helping out, and pray for those firefighting people. Ooh, that's an ambulance. Yeah, that's Station Three. All right, so. All right. Um, well, compassion. Yes. Compassion. This is actually not Funk and Wagnalls. This is Webster's original 1828 dictionary. Webster's is good. Yeah. He was great until he died. Uh, compassion. A suffering with another. Painful sympathy. A sensation of sorrow excited by the distress of, or misfortune of another. Pity. Com commiseration. I there you go. Commiseration. Pity and, pity and commi commiseration. You know what I like about Daniel Webster's 1828 dictionary? He has Bible references for his words. Yes, he does. So he references Psalm seventy-eight thirty-eight, but he, being full of compassion, that's definitely not speaking of you, Mark. No, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many at that time turned. Oh, I'm sorry. Ye, many a time turned he his anger away. That's mercy right there, and did not stir up his wrath. And also, not only Psalm seventy-eight thirty-eight, but Luke fifteen twenty. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great far away, this was the uh, prodigal son here, his father saw him and had compassion and ran mm -hmm. and fell on his neck and kissed him. Yeah, good. Compassion. Yeah. Compassion so, and mercy. So um, I do know that it were in, um, gosh, I believe it was Samuel where David was confronted with his sin by Nathan. Uh, when David is giving their Nathan, excuse me, is given this fictional story um, about a guy who was taking this one lamb from this guy who just has one lamb while he had many. And 
you know, makes this fictional story up and basically lays it all out for David because he's confronting David's sin. David doesn't know it yet. And David says the reason that this man has done this evil thing, taking this one lamb from this poor man instead of, you know, using his own, is because he had no compassion. And the Hebrew word, the way it is used, is called chamal. And it literally goes along with your Webster's there about the uh, pity and the um, feeling for others. And I think so many times we think compassion is an emotion. And actually there's an action that goes along with compassion. It is a verb. Yes. So it's not an emotion necessarily. Action. There you go. Action. So... Go do that. Uh, I have a little quick story on that. Quick story on mercy and compassion. Yes. I had a, for me, this is a personal story. Uh-huh. I had a, um, I'm from a very, my background is, you know, my parents and everything is work hard, do the right thing, and things will just work out. And um, there's people that make bad choices in their life, and sometimes those choices really condemn them, but they usually have invited those things. And so just work hard and just do those things. So very much of kind of a pull yourself up by your own bootstraps type of, thing and i think that will take you a long ways that's it very can, much job theology right there yeah, exactly do the right thing good things will happen yeah and you know work a hard biblical concept, work yeah. hard save your money be wise and right. then you, that'll take you a long ways live by biblical standard and i did the majority of um, benevolence work for my former church at one time i was doing almost all of it and i had a person come in my office and um they had no job, hadn't had a job, didn't want a job, had children by, you know, three or four different guys. Um, just their life was a mess and completely no biblical standard for anything. Um, the plan was how to get more government assistance. And so I was like kind of, my heart was a little stirred up, probably not thinking compassionately uh-huh. at that moment. And I had this little little thing go through my head. Ask her about her mom. Hmm. That's a word of knowledge. There you go. Right. And so I said, so-and-so, so, hey, tell me all about, you know, we're just talking. Tell me all about your mom. How'd you grow up? And I started to hear the story. Tell me all about your dad. Change the perspective. Tell me about your grandmother. Hmm. Tell me about how you grew up. And as the story pieced together, this person never had a chance Never saw what normal looked like hmm. and never had that bigger view of the world that I was blessed to be able to grow up with by having two parents in the home and two yeah. people that had standards and things like that. And it was, you know, the old thing about the Grinch where it says his heart grew three times that day? Uh-huh. Three sizes. Yes. Um, for me to look at that, I go, okay, there's people out there that never had that chance. I got to be really careful. I'm not putting my upbringing, my standard, all those things on that person because some people never had a chance. Right. And so now from there, I was able to work through this whole thing with compassion. So being able to do things that would help this person but wouldn't hinder them. by And that doesn't mean giving them a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. Because that can hurt people. Uh, we all know. But there are things that we can do for people that will be constructive that allow them to move forward at a pace to restore their lives. And it, it helped me in that situation. Like the too. wooden spoon when you were growing the up. The wooden spoon. Yeah. The, and yeah. So right. I think that's what compassion looks like. It can, certainly. Yeah. One of the ways, I think compassion uh, usually has an action associated with it. Too many times people think compassion is being emotional or attached or crying for people and all those things. And I don't know. For me, that doesn't work. I think we're going to end up talking a little bit more about that with some of these other questions that are on here. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. so. 
So I think biblical compassion from the Lord, real compassion, I think is totally a gift from the Lord. Yes. Do you think it's like a fruit of the spirit type gift? I think it's in that capacity, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. God so, enables us. Yeah. And it's important to have and, that and gift. And so some people definitely are have a very clear, distinct gift of mercy and compassion. Yes, I've seen yeah. those people. Uh-huh. They tend to have a lot of friends. It's true. People tend to like them. Yeah. So, okay. Um, I think that's where we get the cold-blooded love thing. I guess that's my theory. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. compassion is cold-blooded love. Uh, nice. Did Satan try to interfere and use... What do you think? Do you, do you think on the compassion thing it's good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I All think right. I said that. All right. I'm pretty okay. sure. Just making All sure. Right. I didn't want to run away with it. Okay. Number two. Did Satan try to intervene and use Job's friend to make him forsake God? Pastor Miles. Yeah. There's no real indication in the text that Job's friends are being inspired by Satan. So I don't, I don't really think so. In fact, it's kind of interesting from Job chapter two on. And, you know, there's quite a few more chapters in the book of Job, 40 more chapters in the book of Job. You don't hear anything more about the Satan character that's in Job one and two. So, I'm going to go out and say, no, I don't think it had anything to do with uh, Satan inspiring them necessarily. Um, I think that they are using their worldview of the day and looking at Job's situation and going, hey, there's something that doesn't work here. Uh, we, we have a certain view of God and, and we have a certain view of the way the world works. And Job, apparently, you're not as righteous as you appear to be. That's, that's how they come across. Yeah. And don't you think that some of the arguments his friends are going to make are the common arguments of the day? Yeah. In fact, there's plenty of true things that they say. Yeah, I, I think their I, conclusions are wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think they're wrong, but they are making the, some of the thoughts of the day. And I think it's basically, and we have to remember the way this is written. Right. It's poetic. It's like a play. It's very much a poem. Yeah. yeah. And so this is designed to illustrate. We're going to see that poetry things. come through quite a bit in chapter yeah. three this weekend. Yeah. yeah. So he wasn't, this isn't a guy who was really offering advice, so to speak, like real advice. Well, and what's fascinating, and, yeah. and we'll see this as we get into it, um, they don't say anything. I mean, we saw this in the text last week. They they kept quiet for seven days, seven nights. They didn't say a word to Job. They don't say anything until he starts talking. They kind of talk in response to what he's saying. So right. it's kind of like they're trying to correct his, correct him. So they're doing the best they know how. Um, you know? Do, you, uh, do you think these guys were acting with compassion? They sure seem to be in the first seven days. I'll tell you what, if I'm not eating for seven days, that's compassion. That's love. It must be. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean... I don't know. I can't, I can't totally fault them for the way that they, they approach things. And, you know, there's plenty of people that try to reach out to someone who's suffering and going through difficult things, and they put their foot in their mouth along the way. Yeah. At least they're showing up and trying. Like, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Would you fast for me for seven days, Mark? Oh, absolutely, Mark. Okay, just check. 100%. Yeah, all right, cool. Especially, Especially after, after that burrito. That burrito. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, so... You know what, Mark? Um, I'm going to fast for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, boy, you're all 24. hard, bro. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm, okay, I'm laying off the broccoli. All I'm laying you, off buddy. the broccoli for two well, weeks. what's so yeah. funny is one of the other firefighters, he had like this full-on like vegetable platter that he was just eating vegetables, and oh. here we are eating these like 20 pound burritos and i was like man you're you're a good man you know who i want pulling me out of the flames of the car wreck? the guy who was eating the broccoli i want no yeah. no 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 oh, i okay. want bombero man i want because <laughs> that guy is eating that meat no i can tell you he's going to be the guy standing by the sideline pointing to the the uh, crossfitter firefitters to go help you firefitters 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 the firefitters firefighters <laughs> that's what i'm going to start calling firefitters crossfit firefitters firefitters okay firefitters all right. So Anyways. the firefighters is what the, that would be the burrito guy. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, so I would say no, Descending Satan was quickly. not intervening with Job's friends. He was not was not he was not influencing them at all. Because they were they were trying to actually do a good thing. Yeah. All right, number three, listening to the service today, and I I didn't totally agree with the definition of empathy. That's good. That's fine. Uh, yeah. I feel the gift of empathy was put down too much. 
I okay. think empathy is a wonderful gift that allows us to understand others in suffering. Empathy, I think they meant is it, or it is, but it, anyway, it's kind of empathy, it a higher step to sympathy. As I understand the whole world uses sympathy, thinking that it is enough to understand how people are feeling. What do you think, why do you think sympathy is better than empathy? Wow. I'm guessing one thing. Oh, no. You don't want me to guess? Could it, could it get us into trouble? It pro- I mean, Okay, no. go ahead. I'm guessing this is a woman. Okay, all right. <laughs> I have to, this is going to totally get me into trouble. I, uh, I shouldn't say this. I said to my wife, here, read this question and, and just give me your thoughts. So she reads this question that you just read to me. And this was the words that came out of her mouth. She goes, well, she clearly, and then she stopped herself and she goes, well, well, whoever it was clearly. And I said, no, never mind. You don't need to say anything more because her immediately, her immediate was thought, that I was a gal. She said, well, yeah. she clearly, I didn't yeah. need to hear anymore. Yeah. I agree with you. I think yeah. Yeah. that's going to get us into trouble. No, not, I mean, yeah, not a, sure it will. It's a great thing to be a gal. Come on. I mean, okay. I absolutely. mean, not for me. I'm They're not a gal. far more compassionate. Well, we know that from our own staff here. Yes. Who's far more compassionate? Lisa. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. She increases our compassion score on the cross connection staff by a whole half a percent. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Kelly, not so much. <laughs> oh, well, you know, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm totally, it's the burrito speaking for you sure. You know, the good news is neither one of them listen to the podcast. Yeah, but somebody's bound to tell them. Throw nah. Us the bus. They're going to throw hey, no us out to bus. Kelly. She doesn't uh-huh. deserve, she doesn't deserve to know if she's not listening. She's probably a listener. She just keeps quiet about it. She there just shakes go. her head and puts her, her head in her hand. You know what? I love it when Kelly gets a look on her face like, I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, no. And you know what she's doing? She's cataloging it. She's just going, someday, someday, I'm yeah, going to use this. No, yeah, yeah. No, she she just, and I, I, I live for it. Back to the question at hand. Yeah. Listening to the service today, I didn't totally agree with your definition of empathy. Well, I, I just want to say on this point, like, people don't have to agree with everything I say, you know? You can... You can disagree with my interpretation on certain. I disagree with things I say sometimes. I disagree with a lot of things. I yeah, have I mean, said I go back past. and hear a whole ser- an old sermon of mine. I look go, at old notes of mine and I go, "Oh, I, I can't believe I said I that." Thinking about, yeah, okay, um, but like Job's friend, I was trying, man. I feel that the gift of empathy was put down too much. I don't know that. Well, I don't know you listen to the message, yeah. I'm not sure that I put down empathy. I just do think that that empathy. Well, I think there's a certain side of empathy that is ignorant. Because it falsely assumes, <laughs> in a happy kind of way, <laughs> it falsely assumes that that I know what you're going through, and I just don't, unless I've experienced the same thing. Like if someone has had the death of a child, I've not experienced that. I praise God, I've not experienced that. I do not have the audacity to tell them I know what you're feeling, and I think that empathy sometimes tries to jump into the slew of despond with a person and try to say like I totally understand, I get it, but it's not, it's like no, that's I don't think that's true. No, and then I will say, I'm going to take it a step further. Right. Uh, that part of empathy, as mm-hmm. it's described, is you and I can go through the same situation. Okay? Yes. Let's say the, the, the most horrible thing ever. You, you you lose a child. Right. And, you know, the guy on the street and I both lose a child on the same day in, in the same way. Uh-huh. And if I say, I know exactly what you're going through, that's not true. Yeah. Because even if you both lost a child. Yes. Okay. But here's why. Yes, there's some commonalities in that. Right. But my background, my support system, 
my view is probably totally different from that person or could be totally different. So like even we alluded to the other day about the, the loss of my daughter-in-law. Yeah. I have, I had two churches full of people that were there for my family. Yes. I have a, a an intimate trust that Jesus, she's with Jesus. And so that's a different, totally than, different perspective. Yeah. yeah. So two people can go through the same thing and not have the same perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I can know about loss. We can have that agreement, but, but we're going to, our experience is going to be completely different. It, it, I have no, I have no. But you can come alongside the, that person and comfort them with the comfort you've been comforted with. Absolutely. That's compassion. One. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. You know, and I think that a part of my, if I was bagging on empathy, part of it comes from the fact that I, and you will totally agree with this. We have ministered to people who have gone through pretty horrendous things. Right. And, and I go into those situations as humbly as I possibly can. Right. Because I don't know what they're going through. I want to do my best to represent the Lord and be there to minister to that person in that situation. But I really don't know what they're going through in that situation. And, um, you know, and, and I have found that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that people respond to the, the crisis in the moment. And, you know, you can talk about the different stages of grief and all those different things. Well, one of those aspects or responses is going to be anger. And, and rightly so, you know, yeah, yeah. when, when bad things happen, I'm, or happen, I'm angry because this is not the way that God would <laughs> intend it. You just sounded like Ellie a minute ago. Yeah. You're son Elliot. I'm angry. I'm angry, uh, man. I'm angry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm angry when, yeah. when the world yeah. is broken. Yeah. I'm angry about those things. So I understand when someone's angry about that sort of thing. And um, if you want them to direct their anger to you, just just be condescending and and say, I yeah. know what you're going through. Yeah. You know? I just don't think it's helpful. No. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading this this question wrong, but Yeah. Why do I think sympathy is better than empathy? I just do. <laughs> there <laughs> Maybe you, there you go. Well, the problem is we got to make sure we're using the right words. And so, I guess so we may be talking, sometimes we're talking about the same word. It's just yeah, it's different, different semantics. Yeah. So maybe we should bump number seven on our list back up to right after this one, because it goes along with it. Okay. Oh yeah. Number seven, you talked about sympathy in the message. What if your problem is apathy? <laughs> Another pathy. A pathy. Empathy, sympathy, apathy. apathy. Yeah. I guess, I guess uh, you know, it would maybe be good to have a definition of apathy because yes. that's a lack of interest or concern. And, and you know well, what? I might eat this burrito. I might not. I mean, That's kind of indifference. Yeah. Apathy and indifference are pretty close to one another. Okay, yeah. but, but, yeah, so I like, don't think I can work up the strength to eat this Yeah, burrito. I don't want to be compassionate because I'm just totally indifferent. I'm not interested in being a part of that. Uh, okay, I will say that sometimes people who are in an apathetic situation when, when uh, they're looking at the crisis of someone else, that's someone who's been overwhelmed by crisis themselves. Mm-hmm. That they kind of like, I can't help you. I'm not interested in helping you because I'm having a hard enough time on my own. That's sometimes the the response. So I would probably have to dig a little bit deeper on the the issue of someone being apathetic in, in the situation of seeing someone else suffer. So I don't know. Your thoughts? No, I, I would agree. You know, it's kind of crazy. You know, sometimes um, in this message, these messages lately have really jack some people up yeah which is good yeah right so so, i'm at dinner with the uh, leo last night and Uh he brought a friend and uh, we started talking and his friends a you know bible believing christian solid dude and they lost 
two adult children Ooh. within the space of like a year. Wow. To cancer. What do you think? And um, suffering. And I, it was, um, and his poor wife just has a really, really, she's in a really hard spot with her walk now. And um, he's leaning in more to Jesus, but she's not so much. And he's trying to figure out how to minister to her. And I'm like, you know, you need to be listening. You don't go to our church, but you need to be listening to this message. Because this message is really important about suffering. And um, I think you made a great point that most of the people you meet that are clearly um, aggressively or actively anti-God. Yeah. Or even some that aren't act real active but are just are anti-God. When you sit down and talk to them, it's because God did not come to their rescue or perform like they thought he should have. Right. In a particular situation and it's typically associated with some type of death or tragedy yeah and i kind of i connect the aspect of being a little bit indifferent or apathetic in a situation like that to being numb to some of the pain because they've experienced so much pain or they've been they've interacted with people in so much pain and you know as an observation i mean your son is a firefighter i've had the opportunity of working with firefighters for the last 10 years and and one of the things that I've observed is that these guys have experienced so much tragedy, other people's tragedy. They've been affected by secondhand trauma. Like I'll give an example. I was, I was working with a crew one time and I was talking with them about the difficult calls. And one of the guys, you know, he gets that kind of flat staring look, that flat affect where, you know, kind of a numbness. And he starts to talk about the, one of his first calls as an EMT, which was dragging a nine-year-old kid from out from underneath of a truck after getting hit by a truck who the kid ultimately died. You know, it's, it's hard for him to engage with sympathy and compassion when that's, that's where he goes to when he thinks about crisis. So yeah, it's challenging. Right. And, you know, we talk about sympathy and, and apathy. That's something that's come upon this person. Right. And they need Jesus. Yeah. And they need to know how to deal with that because that's a really, really tough situation. Really tough situation. Truly. Yeah. So some of the things that our emergency service workers see, pray for those men and women because yeah. they see some really tough things. So. Well, that was heavy. Yeah, dude. Really? Number um, five. Number. F- we changed number. We added a four. We moved seven to four. What about four? Okay, well, no, that's no, no, not, now one? that's five. You want to do five? Number okay, four yeah. is now five. Sure, okay. <laughs> Green is the new black or whatever it yes, is. Yes, yeah. exactly. Orange is the new Excellent. black. Okay. In your message, you said that it is best when helping someone that is suffering to say nothing. But what if you are asked a direct question about suffering from someone who is suffering? What if they are saying things about God that are false? How should you respond? Question mark. Well, this is exactly where we're going to end up going with Job's friends because Job is going to say some things that Job's friends disagree with and they're kind of theological presuppositions and so they want to try and correct Job. I just don't know that it's helpful in that situation. Like it's perfectly fine to have theological discussions with people about the different ways you view the Bible. But There's a time the, and place for yeah, that. Yeah, not at the hospital though. Right, it's not It's yeah. not going to work. They, they're, you know, It's not going to ease their pain and it's probably going to, it's probably going to cause more pain. It's going to cause a fight. It's going to cause division between you and them, it's just not helpful. So there's a time and a place to have a theological discussion. I have plenty of those with people, and but it's not in the context of I'm dealing with their suffering. People are going to say things out of anger and hurt when they are suffering that they, they probably don't even really believe. 
they're just responding out of it's suffering. A, yeah, it's just emotional. Right. So, yeah. you know, let them respond. Let them vent. Get them, you know, get them a glass of water. Get them a tissue box and sit there and cry with them. Weep with those who weep. And don't try to correct all their wrong theology that's coming out of hurt and pain and anger. And I know one of the things that I've learned in the critical incident training right. is get that person talking. Yes. Let that person talk. Don't just correct ask questions. them. Yeah. Ask questions and acknowledge that this is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so that gives them the freedom to start talking about it. Yeah. And it's been shown that when people are able to talk, converse with somebody about a very stressful situation like this, it actually uh, has a better outcome later on as far as uh, PTSD. Absolutely. We always, uh, whenever we have a critical incident, we do uh, defusing or what's called a debriefing. We sit down, we go through the whole call. We walk through all the different, you know, parts of it and let people talk, let people process it. So... It's very helpful. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, but it's not the it's not the moment for a theological debate, right? Let and me, I, I I'll tell you real honestly, I was really really thankful that the night that Wyatt walked through his tragedy with his wife, that he had a pastor there, right. Chuck, yeah, Chuck and a wife. division chief and a Christian ca- captain there at the fire department. This Christian, um, just to be there, just to be there and let him talk and let him go through the whole thing. You know what, what's that. fascinating, maybe you've experienced this before. I remember I was in a situation with a family that was suffering through a terrible, terrible crisis. And like a year later, I, and I just remember being there. I don't remember saying anything. I just remember being there. Like a year later, one of the family members was saying, you know, when you showed up that night, you said this, this, and this. And I'm thinking to myself, I never said a word. Yeah. I didn't say any of that sort right. of stuff. But somehow my presence ministered something to them. And, and they just remembered that. Um, so just be in there for people. Right. Yeah. You know, show up, bring cookies. Yes. So bring the Bombero, bring the Bombero. There you go. Have a burrito. Maybe not though. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, we don't need, and we don't need to respond to people when they're saying things to God or about God. They're set. It's not the time for a theological argument. They're just venting. So just to recap that and God's, God's a big God. You're not going to hurt him with your words. Yeah. You're not going to hurt God. Okay, I heard someone say that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. That was very much a Jesus very people movement. 1980, thing to say. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> what on earth does that mean? <laughs> Good question. Yes. Uh, well, I'll tell you what I think it means. You can give me your thoughts on this yeah. too, Mark. Because I was there, yeah. yeah. You go. Uh, you know, some people relate to God purely on a do's and don'ts basis, kind of a religious, if I keep mm-hmm. these commandments and I don't do this and I do do this, then everything's going to be just fine. And it's a very legal sort of religious relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to relate to God, but that's not the way in the scriptures in a lot of ways where we see God desiring to relate to us. He sent his son for us to die in our place so that we could know him and have a relationship with right. him. And a relationship that is based upon his grace and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and that is not dependent upon my following of his religious commands. So, you know, it is very true to say that we have a relationship and not a religion. Now, that's not to say that there aren't important kind of ritualistic things that we do in our worship of the Lord. Communion. Partaking of communion, baptism, prayer, all these things that we establish kind of uh, what you might want to call spiritual disciplines, what some other people might call, you know, religious, religious practices. Or practices. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, there, there's kind of a give or take this whole thing. But at the very basis of it, 
um, Christ died so that we could have, so he could bring us to God. Right. And that we could be in a relationship with God eternally. So, so in that sense, yeah, we have a relationship with God. We don't, we don't relate to him purely upon our keeping of religious ritual. Right. And it's, it's nomenclature really. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I like, like in the old Testament, they'll talk about a King and it'll say, and this guy walked with God. Mm -hmm. And like the, the connotation there is, when you walk with God, you have a relationship with right. God. You, you, it's, it's, it's something you, you're in step with God's will and, and, and where he is. And so like, I, I, I would like to be said of me, oh yeah, that guy really walked with the Lord. And so that means relationship and dependence and, and all those other things. So a true relationship. Yes. So that's what it means. It's just, it's not a, a religious legalistic thing. It's, it's actually a, a relationship, but that was a real buzzword or buzz term back in the 80s, I remember, being at uh, Calvary. Yeah, you know, a verse that comes to mind is Psalm 32, um, where God is speaking, says, I will instruct and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Mm. And I just appreciate that. It's kind of like there's that relationship so much so that it's just the look. It's like, I know what he wants me to do. Right. You know, it's not just a, I have a list of do's and don'ts. Right on. Some thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay, so that was good. All right, number seven, I guess it is. Yeah. What books do you recommend on the topic of suffering and pain? I don't know, maybe the Bible. I'm down with the Bible. Bible's good. Yeah. In addition to that, I mentioned a couple of them on Sunday. I mentioned uh, a couple C.S. Lewis books, The Problem of Pain and A Grief Observed. So those are good on the issues of pain. Um, Ravi Zacharias, who I really like, he also wrote a book on pain and suffering, and I think it's called Why Suffering, which yeah. is good. You know, that's that's a question a lot of people ask. And then right. another one that I've heard great things about, mm-hmm. I have not had a chance to read it yet, is Timothy Keller's book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, the whole um, daily devotional, uh, The Streams in the Desert one, is has very much on that. written from the standpoint of streams in the desert, being yeah, thirsty, yeah. being hurt, being uh, scared, being in... in dire circumstances and seeing that hope there and getting that 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 refilling so that's another great devotion uh, again i think i mentioned before we give those to people who are really walking through something right. hard sometimes because it's yeah. easy for them to pick it up and day by day to pick that up so yeah i'm trying to think of anything else it's um gosh those are the ones that come to mind right yeah. now there's that's a lot plenty. of great books yeah um you know i heard um i've never read it but Joni erickson tata um Joni Erickson mm-hmm. Tata has experienced a lot of trial in her life, and uh, she wrote a book on pain and suffering, too. Okay. And didn't Greg uh, Laurie... Uh, oh, after his son died, yes. did he write a book? I, I don't think know. he had I some commentary there. Oh, uh, John Corson. Yeah, he's... Uh, future future and, hope. and Hope. That is yeah, a good book. That was a very yeah. good book. Yeah, that's a, very a great good book. book. I so forgot a lot about of that one. Hope there. So that was a good one. Yeah. John Corson, man, if ever anybody's suffered family trial... Dude, his wife died, his daughter died, his son died. I mean, he has gone through it, and he is filled with joy. And through all this, he did not curse God, right? And he's filled with joy because he knows where his former wife and his daughter and son where they're at. They're with Jesus right. in His right. presence, His fullness of joy at His right hand, pleasures forevermore. And I, I still keep just coming back to this because I made it a point to read that uh, Harold Kushner book, the When Bad Things Happen to Good People, written out of pain and suffering. And he ultimately concludes, you know, this is a Jewish rabbi in 1981 wrote this book. He ultimately concludes that the answer to the problem of pain and suffering is that God is not all powerful. 
So he just says, God's not omnipotent, which I don't agree with. But he totally glosses over the possibility of eternity. He just says, you know, some people believe that there's life after this, but who can know? We don't know. Yeah. But when that's your, when that's kind of your, your mindset, that's, that's a little depressing. But we're going to look at a verse this weekend that brings hope and joy because of eternity. So I remember being uh, pretty young to the ministry. Are you saying you're not? Back in the day. Young anymore? No. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, a buddy of mine says, hey, look, because John Corson, the memorial for, I forget which incident it was. He was Probably his daughter. Doing it. And I remember seeing that John was there ministering to everybody else. Yeah. And to me, it was like very obvious that God had shored him up was taken care of him and he had a complete understanding and trust in what the final the final outcome was. And so that was really to me very, it, very it, instructive it is, to me. It is so amazing because I remember John's story really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to listen to a lot of his Bible teaching. And when he got in an accident with his first wife and she died in the accident and mm-hmm. he was in the back of the box, the ambulance on the way to the hospital, and he kind of came to and he asked the paramedic you know is my wife okay and the guy didn't know how to answer and in that instant he realized my wife's gone she's dead but god spoke a verse to him which is the jeremiah 29 11 i know the thoughts i have towards you thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope that's future where the title hope. comes yep. from and uh and then he kind of lost consciousness again then he tells a story that pastor chuck smith called him while he was in the hospital and said john i have a verse for you which what was it jeremiah 29 11 and then the morning that his daughter I want to say her name was Jessie, Jessica or mm-hmm. Jessie. The morning that she died, they were having morning worship at the church. She got up and shared a word. God, I thank you for the verse. And she read Jeremiah 29, 11. And she, she died that morning. Ugh. But it was like God Hard. gave him a promise. Wow. Like, I'm with you in the midst of this, which is right. just phenomenal. That is a good book. Right. And I that's a promise that. that was originally made to God's people. Right. But but, but he reminded John. We can claim John, that one. Let's oh, claim no, that one. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, that was really cool. Yeah. Super cool. So um, a lot of talk, I've had a lot of talk about the message. I've had a lot of talk about um, suffering yeah. and a lot of discussions. And then, you know, those times when you're really engaged in um, a particular part of God's word and it's really speaking to you and it seems to be a theme that you're dealing with in your devotions and things like that. And then you have people coming up and talking to you about it. Uh-huh. So it's like God has orchestrated these appointments. So I've been getting a lot of those. Yeah. It's a um, it's a challenging passage of scripture. I've been thinking about doing the short thing in Job for a long time, um, and some of it's really heavy. I mean, this weekend I'm looking over the text, and we're going to be talking about some topics that are really, really burdensome topics. But I think that it's necessary. I think that uh, God wants to speak to us about these things. They're really important topics about suffering and how to handle it, how to walk with people in suffering. So you don't think there's going to be a, po- a prosperity doctrine that comes of this or anything that, this weekend? Uh, yeah. yeah. Our prosperity is in heaven. Yeah, right on. Ultimately. Well, I think we're done with the questions. And I think, obviously, the word is bombero. Bombero. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It has to be. Yeah, bombero. Bombero. And for, again, for our English-only friends, that is Spanish, means firefighter or, yeah. The Bombero. The Bombero. Yep. It is a firefighter creation at that Mexican place. There you go, man. Yep. I, I just, do you think people are going to come up to us and go, Mark Miles, you got you guys are the Bombero? I would hope so. 
I but hope you never know. You never know. Yes. Well, until next time, for those listeners who were so, so devastated that this did not come out on Wednesday, God bless you. Yeah. Now you'll be able to get to sleep. <laughs> Sweet dreams. Peace out. Wow.